Welcome to the Free Lawyer Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Miles. The Free Lawyer Podcast is designed for the lawyer, entrepreneur, or professional who is in some way unfulfilled, stressed, or stuck, and is looking for something better. We will discuss various blocks that limit us from achieving the personal freedom that we all desire, but have not yet fully experienced. And we will give actionable steps to free yourself from them. Are you looking to achieve a new level of success? If so, this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Free Lawyer. And it's going to be a great episode. I have one of the most dynamic um, younger attorneys I know of, uh, Winter Wheeler. Winter has been an amazing civil litigator, but then has reinvented her life and taken a different direction because of her desire to be of service to the legal profession. And she's developed quite a niche as a mediator to help us resolve those cases that otherwise we'd be spending so much time and money and energy fighting in court. And she helps lawyers and their clients find resolution. Winter, how are you doing today? Amazing. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Winter, tell me a little bit about your journey professionally, uh, both when you were in the law firm and and where you are now. Yeah, so I I graduated from law school in 2006. Uh, The first thing I did was uh, I was a public defender for a little while Uh down in Tampa, Florida, and realized I absolutely hated it. So <laughs> the the what I thought was going to be like the start to my criminal defense career that I had wanted for for years, um, I very quickly realized was not what I anticipated, and it was not for me. So you know I, what, what that points out to me. Just to interrupt you a second. Is yeah. sometimes we're in law school, and what we think we want to do is just sort of an, an obtuse notion. Because we've not worked in that area, we might have studied criminal law, and we think it would be fun and passionate to help people protect their constitutional rights. And then you get into working, you realize it's not quite what we thought. Exactly. So, you know, my my uncle is a prominent criminal defense attorney in South Florida. And so that is kind of where I got the notion from. And then when I was in law school, um, I was part of the criminal uh, defense clinic at Tulane Law School and had a fantastic time. However, (laughs) when I was there, it was right after Hurricane Katrina. So we were focused very heavily on filing habeas petitions and finding prisoners who had essentially been lost within the Louisiana system. Uh, So so very different from the day-to-day that your regular average criminal defense attorney would be doing, and certainly very different from being a public defender in Hillsborough County, Florida. (laughs) So after you found that less than satisfying, what did you do next? I moved back home. I went um, back to South Florida, so to the the east coast uh, of Florida, and uh, got a job at a civil defense firm doing, you know, insurance defense. And thankfully, I loved it. So <laughs> I did that for quite a while. Um, but I learned very early on that what I really liked best was mediating. I liked mediation days. Florida is a fantastic example of um, having mandatory mediation in every single case. So I spent a lot of my time mediating. So when they had a mandatory mediation system, did the um, 
parties have to contribute to that financially or do the state provide that service? Oh no, it was you had to pay. Um I'm I'm not even sure we had a state sponsored um or funded mediator system because we always went private. Um and so we had a relatively small group of mediators that we liked that we liked to use and that we rotated through. Um and as a result, I ended up, you know, getting very close with um one of my favorite mediators at the time. And I asked him about, you know, how did you get started? This is awesome. Like, how do you do that? And he gave me some really great advice. And he said, if you want to really make a living at this, um, you need to work very hard in law firms for a very long time. Uh, learn as much as you can about different areas of the law. Meet as many people as you can. Uh, join different groups. Make a lot of friends. And then when you're ready, you'll you'll be set up to actually have clients and there won't be as much of a struggle <laughs> when you get going. And he was spot on. So I practiced law for about 15 years, I want to say, before before I, I moved on. So that, that entire time was a giant setup <laughs> for where I am right now. <laughs> that is that's quite a time to invest to, to build the practice of mediation. That is your dream. So when yeah. did you make the switch? It was October of 2019, so right before the pandemic. So I've I've always had fantastic timing. Um, it was a great time to start a new start a new venture. Um, you know, when I when I um, decided to leave the law firm and just kind of go out, I hadn't even gotten my um, mediator registration, so I wasn't really eligible to, to mediate at the time in the state of Georgia and 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 certainly not in Florida at that point. Um but I did. I just was like, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. So I tell got... me about the geography a little bit. You practice law in Florida for insurance defense firms there, but now you're yeah. a mediator in Georgia. Yeah. So I left South Florida in 2009. And I moved to Atlanta at that time. I've been in Atlanta oh, ever since. I mm -hmm. see. So you practiced law in a defense firm in Atlanta. I, I did. Yes. It, a number of firms, frankly. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, always, always large defense firms. So it seems like it was always your passion, uh, at least pretty early on in your practice to become a mediator. Oh, 1000% since and, 2000. And why is that? What do you love about doing mediation? I love the look on my client's face when, when something has resolved, when that, you know, litigation fatigue is such a real thing. You know, people are exhausted and worn out and beaten down in the litigation process. And so to see that over the course of a few hours be, you know, taken off of them, it was just, it was just fantastic. Um, and so I, you know, doing it, you know, maybe 20, 30 times back then, I thought I would love to be the person who is facilitating this. I really want to do that. And I had the opportunity to kind of shadow a couple of different mediators and and really get a feel for what it's like, because it's definitely different to be the mediator than to be one of the lawyers. Very, very different. It's a completely um, different skill set. Instead of being, I'll say, argumentative or persuasive, we have to really mm -hmm. develop our skills of listening and being empathetic, don't we? Oh, 
my goodness. Yes. Yes. Thankfully, um, empathy is one of my natural, natural talents. I, I call it a talent because not everybody has it. Um, but yeah, I mean, empathy by the truckload, truly. <laughs> I've done a good bit of mediations in, in my day and settlement officers for court. And mm -hmm. I found that one of the greatest techniques, although I hate to say that because it seems manipulative, I don't, that's not, maybe not the right word, but when <laughs> I really listen to the parties and they're heard, that means so much because the legal system doesn't give them a chance to be heard. They get a number, they get a result, they get a decision, but they don't get an empathetic ear. And, and when they really listen to, it does so much to facilitate a resolution because even their lawyer may not be, there aren't a lot of lawyers who are gifted with empathy like you are. Let's just say that. I think our legal training is so competitive and so intense to the extent we're empathetic, it can almost get wiped out by that experience. And, and so their own lawyer might not be empathetic. And to have someone who really truly listens to them and cares and, and wants to help them find a solution is very gratifying to them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, how the, the legal profession kind of can beat the empathy out of you. Um, you know, even for me, it was very difficult. You know, I'm trying to have conversations with my clients and bond with them and talk to them and all of these things. And I want to hear what the plaintiff is saying, what the plaintiff's lawyer has got to say about it. You don't really have time for all that. You know, I had, you know, 200 cases on my on my case list. I don't have time for it. I needed to meet my hours. I needed to make sure things were moving forward. I needed to make sure my copious reports were done and done on time. So to the extent that I, you know, even had time to listen to an insured complaint about something, it was typically, I'm putting you on speaker and I'm doing something else. And so, you know, I hated that. I absolutely hated um, that that's what my career was starting to look like. Um, and I have to get out of this. This is, this is not working for me. It did not suit my personality at all. I can't believe I did it as long as I did. So how did you develop your mediation practice and what sort of background training and experience did you get to become the incredible mediator that you are? You know, a lot of it, I have to say, is is natural, but I did I did all of the mediation courses I could, you know, kind of fit into my schedule and in rapid succession, right? So I, I started with, of course, the series of, of courses that uh, were required for me to get my registration in Georgia so that I could, I could work. Um, and then I moved into doing, you know, just some extra classes. So I've got my domestic registration. I have um, a specialty in domestic violence mm -hmm. and I just cannot get enough of <laughs> extra classes. I've taken classes, um, registration and certification classes for for a lot of different states just because it's done a little bit differently everywhere you go and there's always something you can learn. So I've done them for New York, uh, North Carolina, Florida, you know, and and anything kind of in between and, you know, in lots of courses that are not, you know, any kind of certification or anything like that, just communication, um, communication skills, um, things like that. Anything that I see on a regular basis now as a mediator, I want to learn more about it. So of course that has turned into, um, you know, anti-racism, um, you know, um, 
bias, anything, anything that I see. Wow. Before we talk a little bit more about your mediation, I want to touch a little bit on both your experiences as a lawyer and working with other lawyers and what you've seen even since. What do you think are some of the biggest problems that today's practicing attorney faces? Lack of time. There's a lot of pressure to get a lot done in a very short amount of time. Um, you know, we bill in six minute increments. If you're on the defense side, if you're a plaintiff's attorney, you know, you need to be getting those cases in and out uh, as cheaply and quickly as possible to keep the lights on. So we don't have a lot of time. And I see, I see a lot of lawyers struggling to make sure that they have adequately represented their clients. Unfortunately, I see a lot of lawyers who have cut corners that potentially may not have been the right corner to cut. Um, and so I think it, it's time, it's competition. Our market is saturated, saturated with so many lawyers. And we have um, so many people going through law school, which I think is is great. But then we have too many lawyers, right. <laughs> too many lawyers fighting over the same pot of work. Um, and it just gets it gets crazy out there. It's a tough field for that lawyer who is feeling that way, um, overworked, pressured, not enough time in the day. What suggestions do you have for that lawyer? Slow down. You've got to slow down um, because you're going to make mistakes that you can't correct or you or will be very detrimental to your career. Um, on occasion, and I hate I hate to say it, but I've had to pull lawyers aside during mediation and say, I I'm not sure that this is what is right for your bar card. So maybe we need to step back a second and make sure we're all making the right decisions because mediation is as much about helping people resolve the case in front of them, but also making sure that they've, they've properly served their client, right? We cannot be in a position where we're just funneling people through. Because I mean, that's essentially what litigation is, right? So once you get to mediation and you have that opportunity to be heard, if something is not, if something's not right, we have the opportunity to stop, correct it and try again later. So, you know, I think um, a lot of lawyers need better mentoring. A lot of lawyers need to realize that yeah you do need to work you need to feed your family you need to keep the lights on your the most important thing you have for your career is your license and you have to be very careful with it and it is not worth settling a case today if it could potentially impact your license so a lot of lawyers need to just slow down look for help uh and and take take more time that i know that they don't have <laughs> Yeah, and, and that is sort of a conflict. They need to take more time, but they don't have more time. But you make two really good points about slowing down. I, I like to think of the analogy of someone who's in an athletic endeavor. Say you're a marathon runner. You don't get ready for the marathon by running marathons Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before the Sunday race because you won't have anything left in the tank. But yet as lawyers, we work ourselves to the bone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then we're expected to be fresh on Monday and and we're not because we're we're just 
mentally burned out and emotionally burned out. And folks do not take enough time to take care of themselves. And mentoring is a real, real issue. I had Molly Huffman here last year, and she's a, a very young lawyer, and that's her passion. She realizes as a younger lawyer, she didn't have a mentor, and so she's building a service where she mentors other lawyers. And, and that's where my passion comes from, to have someone who is committed, loyal, supportive, wise, and experienced to guide the lawyer when they feel they have no one to talk to, because lawyers feel so alone often. They don't want to go to their partner or their boss because they'll look weak or bad. Um, their best friend or spouse may have their own perspectives, so not truly independent and not truly knowledgeable. So really, it's a real benefit to be able to use a mentor. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. So what, what do you find most fulfilling as a mediator? I just love seeing plaintiffs move on with their lives. They come in in the morning. They're all very, very nervous. And I, I try to joke around with them, try to lighten the mood. You know, mediation can be very scary if it's not something that you're used to, right? It's of a course. big deal. It can be the biggest day that they've ever had, you know, especially monetarily. Um, but there's there's joy for me in helping them relax and walking them through the process teaching them a little bit about the law enough to help them understand why cases are being uh, valued the way that they are, why perhaps uh, a defense attorney is saying some of the things that they're saying. Um, and, and often it's just helping them work through things that aren't even related to the case. Um, a lot of the time it's that, it's just uh, helping them figure out how they're going to afford a therapist <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, and so I just feel like I have a really big impact on people's lives and, and definitely for the better. It's it's always gratifying to settle a case, but a lot of that has to do with the the emotional growth that you see in people over the course of a day. It's really, it's really magical for me. It really is. And and a sense of closure when they've been struggling with the injury for several years, then been beat up by the process for a couple of years. And maybe the injury was four or five, six years ago. And then it can now bring it to closure and know what they have, know where they are and get on with the rest of their life is, is really a gift. Yes. Yes. I, I like to say I give people their lives back. That's wonderful. And you know, what you do is not only a service to the injured parties, but to the whole system, you know, lawyers, have very busy trial schedules. If every case got tried, things would fall apart. The courts would fall apart. Those really busy lawyers would fall apart. Um, so you provide a real service to the plaintiff's lawyers who are usually happy to settle the case and to the defense side and to the courts. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think everybody benefits from mediation. Early resolution saves so much energy, so much money. It's, it's really crazy as I, I explain, you know, as we get toward the end of a mediation, when we're talking about like real numbers that will have a, you know, a, a nice impact on someone's life. We also will talk about, you know, this is what it's going to cost if you actually try this case. So if it's, if it's, if there are injuries involved, if it's a highly technical medical case, like you could spend, you know, 30, 40, $50,000 just having your experts testify. You know, and at the end of the day, that 
usually means less money in pocket for the plaintiff, even if they do get, you know, a bigger verdict. Absolutely. Absolutely. What areas do you provide mediation services in? My goodness. I think a better question would be what don't, <laughs> what don't I try to do? Um, I, I tell people I, I specialize in difficult personalities. So I will see anything from, you know, your standard car wreck, slip and fall, um, to employment defamation is one of my specialties. If if someone is really struggling to communicate with their own client, whatever the subject happens to be, that's usually when they come to me. Um, I will, I often work directly with companies to help them better communicate with their employees uh, and things like that. So um, you name it, I'll do it. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I found in my practice that... I've done a lot of family law the last 15 years, almost exclusively, but the okay. most contentious cases I had were in the employment law arena when I would represent usually a higher ranking official in a company in an age discrimination. Those were really, both sides had very powerful emotions about that case. And I imagine they can be very difficult. Oh, yes. Those those can be very, very hard. Is whenever you, you've got diametrically opposed positions almost always there's very little that they can actually agree on and people can be very dug in and often you know despite the the horrendous claims um uh, an employee might be making if they're very attached to their job or their coworkers or just their way of life they don't want to leave their job and having to explain to them that no that's going to be part of part of the settlement they're going to want right. to cut ties with you it's it's really emotional walking people through that. I've had, you know, plenty of times where I'm just sitting and potentially just holding someone's hand while they're crying over the loss of their employment. Um, and, you know, losing a job is definitely, there's a grieving process involved with it. So it's it's always interesting to watch that occur in a mediation, especially if it's never been mentioned to that person that that's likely what is to happen at the end of the day. You know, you are one of the most preeminent and really skilled mediators um, around it. And you have the unique gift that you've worked in some different areas because sometimes folks only do personal injury or only do employment law. What do you think if you had suggestions for attorneys who are preparing for mediation and going to appear before you or some other mediator, what are the most important things that either lawyer on either side should do in both presenting and preparing for a mediation? Yeah, I think that mediations can be most beneficial if you really prepared your clients. If you're the plaintiff's lawyer, you have absolutely got to pick up the phone and have the hard conversations with your client well in advance. If the first time they ever hear anything negative, is it's coming out of my mouth at like 11 a.m., it's going to be a very long day. <laughs> we have to get them ready in advance um, and talk about the basics with them. I, I think a lot of lawyers take for granted what your average person knows about the legal system. Um, and I, I have to sit and explain, no, oh, this is what liability is. And if we can't get through liability, if we can't hit that hurdle, we're going to end up, we're not going to get to damages. So I understand you're sitting here in pain, but we have to, you know, is it their fault? You know, we have to get through that first. And that's very hard 
for people to hear. It's like, hey, I'm going to teach you torts 101 in 30 minutes. Let's get it going. It, it, it can't work that way. So preparation and communication with clients and, and adjusters need that preparation as well. Now, they are always, you know, they're professionals. They know a lot. But sometimes I find adjusters know enough to be dangerous and that they are often lacking in empathy. I hate to hate to say that. Um, but sometimes they'll they'll treat they'll treat negotiation like a game. It's not a game. There's a human on the other side of this that needs closure. So let's not play around with it. Let's do what we need to do, but let's also focus on making sure everyone walks away with their dignity intact. Well said. Well said. I know from being on the defense side for more than 30 years um, and working with adjusters on that side, when that's all you do, you can build up a certain cynicism about things. And um, I'm an empathetic person and I probably didn't lack empathy, but when you see things from the same perspective time and time again, you tend to get colored by that. And, and they probably can often bring that into the room. But I know I found my most effective adjusters were the ones who came in with a plan to actually listen to the injured party and express sympathy for their injury, even if it wasn't their fault, but particularly when it was their fault, to come in and make an apology where liability was admitted and say, we really do care, we do wanna make this right for you, really makes a difference when they do show some empathy. What do you think are the most important hallmarks of being a good mediator? Oh my, um, well, I have my own mediation methodology, so I think- Wow, tell, tell us about uh, it. Yeah, it's the four cornerstones of mediation, and they are emotional intelligence, cultural knowledge, cultural awareness, and genuine empathy. We've talked a lot about empathy today. It's it's crucial. Um, I unfortunately hear stories about mediators who you know weren't listening, weren't paying attention, or managed to insult you know inadvertently insult someone or their culture or their heritage you know, upon meeting them. Um, and I think we really, as, as, a, as a profession, mediators need to be very focused on their own biases. Every human has them, but if you are aware of them, you can control them. Uh, you can put some effort into learning about the people that you serve in your community. You know, you start to see the same pockets of people over and over again, because we don't live within, you know, we live within this city. Um, so th there's not a whole lot that shows up that I'm like shocked by, right? So it's not difficult for me to, to learn how to properly greet someone from a particular culture or, you know, be mindful of, of, of socioeconomic differences, be mindful of people who are using a different dialect or, or any, any host of things. But if we don't put effort into that, then we miss it entirely. It's easy to say, I'm a good person. I'm I'm not a I'm not a racist. I'm not, you know, I don't discriminate because of someone's nationality. And that's that's great. But that's that's the basis for it, right? You have to start there and then learn about other people to make sure you make them comfortable. Is when people come into a mediation, you're really welcoming them in. And you're, you know, the mediator should be the blank slate. We are neutral. And so if people don't come to you 
uh, all on the same footing, the mediator has failed. They've absolutely failed. So we need to put more effort into making sure we've addressed all four of those cornerstones within ourselves before we even start mediating. Talk to me about emotional intelligence, what that means and how it fits in with the mediation process. Well, emotional intelligence really has to do with what you know about yourself, how you see yourself, are, are you uh, aware of your own feelings? And then are you aware of how other people perceive you? And can you allow your emotions to help guide you through your interactions with other people? Um, and it's it's a lot of questions that you would need to ask yourself, like, hey, do I know how I feel right now? Uh, but we do these things in, you know, it's a split second, right? It's instantaneous. But if you exercise those muscles, if you work on those questions on your off day, you will retrain yourself and how you see other people. Wonderful. Talk to me about listening. Um, I always find lawyers are sometimes great speakers and great arguers, but not very good listeners. Um, <laughs> what's the role of effective listening in mediation, both on your part and on the part of the attorneys? Oh, yeah. Active listening is crucial. You know, we are often just waiting for someone to stop talking so we can make our next point. And when you do that, you miss a whole lot. So one thing that I tell uh, plaintiffs in particular when they come in is I'm never going to interrupt you while you're talking. Whatever you need to say, if you think it's important for me to know, it's important for me to hear. And I pick up on so many things, like very small things, subtle things. And I give you a quick example. I had uh, a plaintiff a few weeks ago who was just absolutely upset. He was angry, just angry. And there wasn't anything particularly egregious about what had happened to him that would have him angry five years later. So I didn't understand what was going on. His attorney didn't understand what was going on. And so I just said, you know what, let's just have a conversation about, you know, what we did over the weekend. Let's try to bring, bring the temperature down. Like, what did you do over the weekend? And he's like, well, I got my final divorce decree in the mail. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> now we know why he's mad. Once we figured out what's upsetting him, we can then talk through it. So then we sat there for a couple of hours and we talked about the disintegration of his marriage and how he um, blamed the accident and the injury on that. And of course, we then were able to talk him through, well, <laughs> perhaps these two things are not connected. Um, but that's where we had to go. And we wouldn't have gotten there if it was just stick to the point, stick to the facts, stick to the major issues, because on the surface, his divorce was not at all related to this accident. Right. But for him, it was. And it certainly was related to his emotional state. So you had to address that first and hear that Absolutely. first. You know, right. I think it's important, too, for lawyers to be good listeners, because whether you're the plaintiff's side or the defense side, um, hearing what the other lawyer says, hearing what the other party says can really um, give you some insight in what their position is. And you're right, so often we want to argue. And mediation is not the place to argue. That's a place in court. Mediation is a place to hear and understand. And when we listen, we understand better. Right. If you're arguing at mediation, you are railroading your potential to settle. Right. Don't argue with people. Make your points 
agree to disagree, listen to what they've said. If we don't settle, now you have a lot more information. Well, it really is wonderful what you do to help uh, lawyers and litigants particularly find resolutions because the litigation process is very difficult. It's very stressful. It's very um, expensive. For the litigants, it's very painful. Um, it's very, very difficult. And for you to be able to help folks navigate through that in a way that I can see is caring and empathetic and open. Um, thank you for that service. It's really wonderful. Oh, thank you. My goodness. My goodness. It it warms my heart. I, I get a lot out of it as well. Um, it really, it makes my day whenever I help someone. So, but that was very kind of you. I appreciate that. I call this um, podcast winter, as you know, the free lawyer podcast. And, and it's because it's all about helping lawyers find true personal freedom in their life, even under the stresses of the practice of law, which you've experienced yourself. What does personal freedom mean to you and how do you find it in your life? I just want to be happy. As simple and basic as that sounds, that is just genuinely the truth. I have four small children who need me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also know that to, to feel fulfilled myself, I need a career. I wouldn't, I, I would never be able to stay home with them. I adore them, but I couldn't do I that. That's just not how I'm built. Um, but for me, it was very helpful to make the transition to mediator. While I lost a lot of control over, you know, how long my days are and sometimes what days I'm working, I still have a lot of opportunity when I get home to no longer be thinking about, you know, deadlines. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night anymore. Oh my God, did I forget to file such and such? Right. Um, so I've lost a lot of that. For me, that was very helpful. That kind of stress, um, it took a lot out of me. And when I was at home, I was always thinking about work I should be doing. Um, I would spend all the time I could with my children until they went to bed. And then I might be up until three o'clock in the morning trying to get work done and then sleeping for three hours and doing it over and over and over again. Um, and long-term that was not feasible, <laughs> not at all. I was burning out. Um, but so, so being free for me just meant taking back control, uh, over what I was doing every day. Um, making sure that I was not just a cog in the litigation wheel, but that I was actually helping. I was moving things forward. I was giving back to my community and making the world hopefully a better place. You know, I think that's really beautiful how um, 15 years or so, my math might not be right, you, you reinvented yourself and what you do to find the role that you find most fulfilling and really um, finding happiness in your profession instead of being just stuck in the grindstone, which parts of it you like, but it, it was somewhat very, very stressful and out of your control to some extent. And now you give back and you make the legal world, the litigation world so much better for what you do. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So for those listeners, um, 
um, lawyers who are interested in getting in touch with you and finding more about who you are and what you do, whether they're interested in learning more about how to be a mediator or about getting their own cases mediated, how can they best find you, Winter? The easiest way to find me is through my website, www.winterwheeler.com. Great, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Your your insights were really uh, wonderful. Um, wish all the best to you and, and your four kids. Um, um, my compliments on that. That's quite a... Uh, quite a task and and you're so great at what you do and I, I love that you're doing it for us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So for all our listeners today, thank you again for joining us for this episode. And as always, please be well, be safe and be free. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Free Lawyer Podcast. Wherever you are listening, if you enjoyed what I shared, please leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate hearing more about what you like best and what topics you might like me to cover in future episodes. If you are interested in experiencing a more fulfilling and a more successful life, please contact me at www.garymiles.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me so I can learn more about you, your challenges, and your dreams. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks to all of you for your support.